be back. Get away from her, you bitch! We all go a little mad sometimes. Every saga has a beginning, and every season of this show has an ending. We are wrapping up season four with the last two Star Wars movies, Rogue One and Solo. Not you, Clone Wars. My name is Dave, but my dad called me Stardust. Just back from making the Kessel Run in 38 parsecs is Eric Katsuliris? That's too long. I'm not going to say that every time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just call me solo yeah. yeah so yeah we're kind of wrapping up season four here and um i finally like we've been doing the show for what five six years now yeah yeah and i've never taken a look at the itunes reviews until just recently oh i did i, I did uh, i didn't say anything but i did probably maybe four months ago oh, yeah. or something yeah 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 okay so you've seen this thing <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah <laughs> They were right. savaging uh, Brennan at one point. Uh, yeah, so there's two ones that I was going to say. Like The first one is makes me laugh. Four stars. Dave and Eric have funny banter, and they're good guys. I don't listen to many movie review podcasts, but this one is worth it. I can even listen to them talk about movies I dislike and enjoy the episode. Plus, the intro, their intro music is awesome. I jam out to it every time. Cool. Wait, which which Cam- one of our friends <laughs> wrote that? Right. Well, that's yeah. their, their name is Camo.Jewel, so I don't know who that is. Yeah, I don't know who that is either. And then the other one that I thought was notable was for the, Bat- like you said, the Batman episode yeah. that we had Brendan yep. on for. <laughs> one star, Batman review. Stop using the word like every other word, you knuckle-dragging millennial. <laughs> Thumbs down emoji. I, I went back and listened to it, and I was like, I, I see what he said, but it's like, come on, man. It's like, so many podcasts do that. Don't Get over it. Yeah, seriously. Which, which then made me listen to like other podcasts, and I'm like, dude, everybody else is saying like all the time. <laughs> I will say that the last maybe... I, I read that probably maybe four or five months ago, and the last, I don't know, like three times, four times we recorded, I'm now like subconsciously avoiding the word like. Yeah, and I'm actually, I've been taking them, like three-fourths of them out from wh- whoever says them. You know? Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, you know, if it seems gratuitous, I take it out. If it seems like part see, of man, the- that, See, reviews like that just ruin art. Yeah, right? Because, because <laughs> now you're, you're like, oh, I got to take out all these likes because this one guy doesn't like it. <laughs> oh, and, and and by the way, that 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 user's name is D H X H R J S J X. So clearly, someone to be trusted. Yeah, <laughs> so, sounds like a stormtrooper to me. So <laughs> yeah, right. Just call me. Duh. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, what is your history with Rogue One? Uh, Rogue One. I actually I can't remember. I don't, I don't think I ever saw either of these in theater. Did I? I'm actually, I might've seen Rogue. No, I didn't see Rogue One in theater. I, I, I pretty much just probably saw them. I saw Rogue One when it came out on video on demand, but mm-hmm. then the solo, I actually didn't even watch that till maybe for the first time four months ago, five months ago. Really? Yeah. It, and, and it took, uh, when I, when my son was watching star Wars for the first time, he wanted to watch all the movies. So we watched all of them. And, and, and that was the first time I watched solo. Wow. All right. Yeah. I saw them both on opening weekend, you know, cause I'm me. Yeah. <laughs> You know, Rogue One. I saw it with my with Quint, who's also on the Neo Zez podcast down in Scotts Valley, and I think it was a sat. It was not not the opening day, but it was the Saturday of the opening weekend, and it was fine. You know, like I think it was it wasn't super crowded, but it was okay. And we, you know, we came out of that 
thinking we had a good time. And then for Solo, again, so this is like six months after Last Jedi came out, or maybe not even that long. And so we think, okay, we got it. We got to book tickets, right? And so my cousin had been was coming up from Southern California, and he's also a big Star Wars fan. And so we're like, hey, let's watch Solo. And so we bought tickets ahead of time for the, I think, Shattuck Theater in Berkeley. Mm-hmm. And we get there, and it, again, it was like a Saturday matinee, and there's like nobody else in the theater. <laughs> Jeez. Like, oh, so, wait, this came out in 2017, right? Uh, let's see. Rogue One's 2016. Oh, okay, yeah. Rogue, yeah. Solo is which, 2018. Which one, which one were you Are you saying Rogue One was the one you went and saw with nobody there? Uh, Solo. Yeah, okay. So that's what I thought. So yeah, and Solo was 2017, I think, right? 2018. 2018, okay. So that's after that's after um, eight, isn't it? Yeah, it's it, but it was like four or five months after eight. Yeah, and that, that killed that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I was yeah. going to say, yeah. Oh man, I would love to see what the numbers on Solo would have been if it came out before eight. I know, right? I didn't even realize it lost money until recently. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow, which that's a shame. I mean, that's that's uh, Ron Howard, man. Ron Howard should not be should not be treated like that. All right, let's get into this. Uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, came out in 2016, directed by Gareth Edwards, who also directed Monsters and the 2014 Godzilla, with a budget of 200 million dollars. What do you think mm. it made in the U.S.? Uh. You just U.S. two fifteen five thirty three. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Jeez. Not and, expecting. And that. another five twenty five international. So it's like clearly they're going to make a sequel to that. Oh wait, there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the IMDb synopsis is: In a time of conflict, a group of unlikely heroes band together on a mission to steal the plans to the Death Star, the Empire's ultimate weapon of destruction. You know, just take take the line from the opening crawl of the first. Movie. Well, that that seems like to to both of these movies, that's what they're trying to do is like take throwaway lines and you know, or like very small plot details yeah. and make whole movies out of them. Yeah, and surprisingly, they did okay. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this one has. Uh, Jin Erso, played by Felicity Jones, Cassian Andor, played by Diego Luna, K2SO, played by Alan Tudyk, and uh, a whole bunch of other people. So yeah, this is the story of the Death Star plans, and it starts off with this flashback to when Jin was a little kid, and her family is living on whatever planet they're on, hiding from the Empire, but Ben Mendelsohn has to show up and ruin everything, and of course, as we talked about in the last episode, they has to park 70 miles away and walk the rest yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you gotta get that shot of him walking through a field, come on. Right. Oh my god, in the beginning of this movie, in fact, the whole movie looks amazing. It it's does, so yeah, yeah. Who's well the cinematographer on it? Cinematographer is Greg Fraser. I don't recognize that name, but no. he also did Dune, the new Dune. Oh, okay. Uh, the Batman, Zero Dark Thirty. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, I mean, yeah. Jesus, this guy's amazing. Did some Mandalorian. Jeez. And so this is the first movie, the first Star Wars movie that does not have like the standard Star Wars opening. There's no a long time ago. There's no opening crawl. There's no because it's not fanfare. it's not an episode number. Yeah, exactly. So unlike this one, so this one just says Rogue One. Eventually, the Solo I think says Solo colon star wars story they didn't they didn't go back and retroactively change the because i thought that was the idea is like any non-episode was going to be like a, a star wars story yeah and and this is billed as a star wars story it's just on the title screen that doesn't say it got well i mean okay i mean you look at the original release i mean look at the original release of uh star wars it just said star wars on it right so but yeah. I, be- I do believe that we knew it was called rogue one a star wars story before it came out yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't think they they went back and retroactively did it. In fact, you know, I watch this on Disney Plus. They haven't retroactively done anything. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. 
apparently uh, Jaren Erso's father, Galen Erso, was designing the super weapon on the Death Star, and he just quit with you know no two weeks notice, no anything, <laughs> and then. Ben Mendelsohn as director Krennic is coming after him to bring him back. I think we mentioned this one of the other episodes. I like Ben Mendelsohn, and I think he's great as the smarmy bad guy. Mm -hmm. But his it's just his diction or something about his speech pattern that's weird. You know what's uh he was in that HBO series The Other or something like that. It was uh, like a Hmm. Stephen King. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I can see yeah, because it's uh, and he was like the main character of it, so yeah, so I can see what yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. The Death Troopers in this are pretty cool. Yeah, no, they they are. Yeah, Jin hides because they had that plan. And what I find interesting is that Krennic knew there was a child, so even after he killed the mom and took the dad, he like gave up and just left the child there. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a lovely man. Yeah, I know. Right. Uh, she gets found by Saw Guerrero. Uh, what do you think of Saw Guerrero? That's uh, that's what's Forrest his name, Whitaker. right? Yeah. Of course, yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, yeah, yeah. I didn't, honestly, I don't think I ever paid attention to what his name was. I just in my mind, anytime I saw him, I was like, oh, Forrest Whitaker. I, I mean, it, for someone like him, a underused character. You think? Why? I so my I have I think Saw Guerrero is my biggest problem with this movie. Okay. In, in that, a I've never found Forrest Whitaker to be that great of an actor I, I don't know what it is maybe i'm more wrong but it just i feel like well you're wrong there's something he's... about him that doesn't work for me in most of the movies that he's in and then b like he if you remove him from the movie the whole thing just kind of streamlines itself you know he's just an impediment to the plot yeah i see for no mean. for no real I, reason i guess i guess know. what i'm what i'm saying is that like it, to me it seemed like they made a character just to be able to shoehorn in a semi-prominent actor and then just have that like, and made it so that it was such a short role that they could get them in there and in and out. And maybe like, I'm sure his scenes probably took, I don't know, a, like a, a week to shoot. Well, I mean, a couple that. of things there. They didn't like this character was from the the cartoon series, the clone wars or something, right? Like this is a pre-existing character. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. And so, that was just, oh, hey, you know, this is a guy that we know. Let's bring him in. And two, yeah, he's really barely in it. And his, the scenes that he's in don't make a whole lot of sense. But they actually had to, like, reshoot all those scenes, I think, because, you know, when Ron Howard took over directing, and that's a whole thing, a other thing we got to talk about, they reshot all this stuff. And because originally he, because his character, and you, you, you see it in some of the flashbacks that he was bald at one point, and then and then at some point he has a big head of hair. I don't think I they, ever noticed that. They changed, like, he was supposed to be bald through the whole thing. And then when Ron Howard took over, they gave him a different hair, hairdo. You know, it's like, so they reshot all his scenes, even though he's only in Jeez. it for, like, three scenes. It's really weird. Yeah, so, so let's talk about that a little bit. This movie was supposed to be, right, it's this one that was supposed to be... Um, Oh, no, no, no. I'm thinking, sorry, I'm thinking of Solo. Yeah, no, that, that, that's what I thought. I was like, I don't think Ron Howard took, right. does it? Ron no, Howard took no, over no. Solo. Ron yeah. Howard took over Solo from Lord and Miller. This yeah. one was Gareth Edwards, but I believe there was some reshoots at the end. By Ron Howard or something? No, like no, just by somebody. Okay. But not enough to change the director name. Yeah, I mean, because you need quite a bit to change the director yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, I just get confused because I know that I know there was a switch in both of these movies, but one of them was bigger than the other one. Yeah, yeah. 
All right. So, so then we flash forward to present day. Jin is, oh, there's a, there's a scene on some planet with Cassian Andor meeting up with one of his rebel dudes and, and he kills him because he's, <laughs> he's too lame to get away from the uh, stormtroopers, which is interesting because it shows much like uh, Han killing Greedo. It's like, it shows that Cassian is a no nonsense killer right off the bat. And yeah. then he has a bit of a character arc through the movie, which that's is, true. Yeah, yeah. You know? And then we see Jin in prison, and then she gets rescued by the rebels because they need her to get to Saw because Saw has the message from, and, and this is, uh, it's, it's really convoluted, right? So Galen wants to defect. So he sends the pilot, Bodhi Rook, with a message for Saw Gerrera, mm-hmm. sort of, which is also a message for Jin. And Saw is so insane and off his head that he doesn't trust anybody. And though, even though the pilot's coming to him and surrendering everything, he still tortures the hell out of him and, and all this stuff. And then, you know, when he does the, uh, uh, I can always forget the name of this thing, poor gullet to, uh, to tell it basically the, the lie detector test that is a destructive read. Cause it makes you lose your mind when you do it. But then the, right after that scene, it's never mentioned again. And the guy's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's yeah, like, yeah yeah so like almost all the scenes with saw in it just are so frustrating and useless that it's I, I really wish they just took him out of it and did it some other way yeah okay what else we got here well you know i'm tired of this this whole trope that they have in these star wars movies that it's always these characters that like they always throw in with the alliance because they have such a shitty life <laughs> I mean, it's like Luke out in the desert, like uh, Ray out in the desert, Ursa like living <laughs> living on some junk planet. And then you got Solo later. He's like you know living this shitty. It's like you know I guess well they haven't really dove too much into like you know um, Leia. Leia. Like, I mean, she came from like royalty, so I don't know. Yeah, I guess it took uh, Andor to show the sort of the other side of that. Why would people like Mon Mothma, who are high status yeah. people? join the rebellion yeah but it's always just this thing where it's like they always just like flash forward to some time they're just living this dumpy life on some trash planet <laughs> yeah like, but of I course mean, you want to get out of there and go do right something. that's the point who joins yeah. rebellions yeah <laughs> people that are not doing well uh k2so is possibly the, one of the best parts of this movie oh yeah of course uh played by Alan Tudyk. yeah he's he's the best man he's yeah phenomenal I'm not sure what accent he's doing. It's sort of British, but whatever it is, it's awesome. <laughs> it's it's awesome, and it works because he does it the same way in which Anthony Daniels does. It's and and because then on the flip side of that we'll get to it, talk about it later. But it's the the Phoebe Waller Bridge or, or Bridger or whatever her name is. Um, yeah, like she the way she plays it, it's just it's too casual. It's too like non droid like. Yeah, that's interesting. I'll say it now because I'm thinking about it because you brought it up. But I had a note for later when we were, when we were talking about that movie is that when she uh, auditioned for the role, she didn't know what the hell a droid was. She'd never seen a Star Wars movie. Yeah, of course. Yeah, And, and she came in and she just did the role as a person. And they were like, oh, yeah, okay, that's cool. You just do that. That You got yeah, the role. Yeah, just, yeah. just play it like a real person. So, she, yeah, she really doesn't act like a droid at all. <laughs> Like yeah, the, the the inflection is not the same as like the other droids. Yeah. Whereas yeah, Alan Tudyk does. Yeah, he's like a C three PO, but with an attitude because he's been reprogrammed. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You could tell that he sort of probably took you know cues from C three PO, and then like you said, just sort of added an attitude to it. 
there was a funny story where he was because I guess C three PO. I guess there's one scene with C three PO in this movie at the Rebel base on Yavin. Yeah. Oh yeah 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 yeah. And so Alan Tudyk got to meet Anthony Daniels, and they're sitting there, and Anthony Daniels is in his full. I don't know if he was in this conversation, but he has to get dressed up in the full costume, right? Whereas Alan Tudyk had some bits and bobs and a bunch of motion capture stuff on. And Anthony was like, they let you do mocap for all this. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That's you. That guy, that poor Anthony Daniels has spent the last 60 years trapped in a metal tin can skeleton. <laughs> Jeez. Poor guy. Yeah. Yeah, but every line out of his mouth is amazing. Congratulations. You are being rescued. Please do not resist. Where'd you get it? I found it. I find that answer vague and unconvincing. Yeah. Oh. And that, yeah, because the, the way he does it, it almost seems like it's uh, like a computer grabbing together a sentence and then like, you know, saying it like, like I said, with, with uh, the in solo it's just it seems like a casual conversation that, that the droid's having rather than like almost like a pre-recorded message oh that's interesting i hadn't thought about it that way yeah i feel like yeah he is trying to put stuff together but he's also like he's got a bit of authority from being an imperial droid and he you know he's designed for yeah, strategy yeah. and battle planning and so he's got all these statistics about what things are likely to do but then he's been reprogrammed, and so he's got a, he's got a bit of a, an attitude. Yeah, that's great. So they take they take Jin to the rebels. Oh, and we get the, I think what is it the second now appearance of Genevieve Riley as Mon Mothma because she was in episode three, I believe. I did, I don't remember that. Yeah, I think she's the same actress as Mon Mothma from episode three, this, and then the Andor series. Well, that and, that worked out age was you know time, right like, aging aging into an older <laughs> version of the character yeah. perfect i mean that's that's uh what's uh what's his name um ian mcdermott yeah the like oh the, ian mcdermott yeah 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 well oh that that was yeah that was actually great because as the emperor he was all made up and then they got to do him without makeup for the prequels and then put the makeup back on for the sequel. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that was amazing but then you watch stuff like that where they've got this great actress for, for Mon Mothma and then they do the CGI Tarkin and Leia. Yeah. And I, again, watching Tarkin, it's so to me, it, it's mostly around the mouth movement that give it away, right? It's pretty good. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. it's still uncanny. It's pretty good because they did a lot of like, it, a lot of the, his scenes of him are like in almost like in darkness or in the shadow. And I wish they would have done more. Yeah. The, uh, the first time you see him, it's in like a reflection in a window. And it's like, okay, let's do that. Maybe keep him in the shadow. Maybe one or two shots of him in the light. But no, then they brought him out and you could see him the whole time. I think that draws, it draws, it draws your attention away because you're looking at him going, wait, what's going on? Oh, it's yeah, CGI. Yeah. I feel like just get a younger actor and do it. Now, on the other hand, when we went to see this in the theater, my girlfriend, Melissa, was like, Oh, I didn't realize that guy was fake. <laughs> I'm like, she doesn't know Peter Cushing is. She she has not stared at Peter Cushing's face for, for 30 years. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it worked for some people. So, you know, good for them, I guess. But yeah. I, I think they, it, it took me out of the movie to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, they go to uh, Andor and K2SO take Jin to uh, Jeddah, which is, was 
where the Jedi Temple was at some point uh, because the, you can mine kyber crystals there. That's where Saw's hiding out, and the Empire's all there mining kyber crystals for the Death Star. It was kind of interesting to see the Star Destroyer floating above the city. I'm not sure how the physics on that work out. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't get that either. <laughs> that's that's some, uh, some interstellar gravity math there of like let's just have it float in the sky yeah yeah that's that's like there's a great uh futurama joke about how uh the spaceship they're like they 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 take it underwater at some point and they're gonna go to like the bottom of the ocean and then the 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 joke i can't remember what the exact joke is but basically it's like like what what was the maximum pressure this spaceship was designed for and they're like one atmosphere because it's in space (laughs) right (laughs) yeah yeah, and like, why would why would a starship have repulsor lifts? They're just to be able to like float above a city when it should be yeah. in space. Yeah, yeah, and something that big would probably have its own gravity. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there they meet up with Donnie Yen, and you know I love me some Donnie Yen. Oh yeah, yeah. So he's a Chirrut Imwe, and his friend Baze Malbut, I think. Where they used to be Guardians of the Wills, which is a reference to the, <laughs> the way back of uh, original title of, original yeah. script. And he's blind. So I have a little bit like, I think he does a great job in this movie. He's really good. He does. I mean, obviously the martial arts is great. The acting I think is amazing. I think some of the lines they give him are a little weak. Okay. I don't know that I necessarily buy his daredevil powers. I, I, maybe you saw this too, but I read somewhere that the character was never originally intended to be blind. Right. Yeah. But that was, but then he wanted to be blind or something, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 And, yeah. And they're like, okay, whatever, go with it, whatever you want. <laughs> and it's an interesting aspect. I just, I feel like when he's surrounded by a bunch of stormtroopers and he's like listening to the clicks on their guns as they fire at him so he can dodge the, the blaster bolts is like, mm, I don't know. It looks great. I love the scene, but I don't know about it. <laughs> Even if he has the force. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That just reminds me of, uh, do you watch the boys? Yeah. The deaf superhero that they wanted to bring into the, or no, was it the blind superhero they wanted to bring into the seven. And then when, uh, the, he was like, I don't know what happens if I do this. And he just like slams the guy's ears and blows his eardrums out. Oh no! He's like, like now you're worthless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which yeah, all it takes is that guy going deaf, and then it's like, good luck, man. <laughs> I guess at that point he's he's relying on the force, and it's so that's that's the weird thing is like it's it, the way they the way they do the choreography on it. It's like he's listening, but it's like, but it's really the force, so he should be feeling it and not listening. Right, or maybe the force is giving him extra sensory powers to hear things better. Oh man, it's not like the force. It's not the force is juicing up your muscles to be able to jump five stories. Yeah, there's no there's no physicality to it of like, like oh we've explained this by he he's his ears have become more sensitive by the force. Like no, he's just randomly feeling it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like his. His powers are more Marvel and less Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even so, makes it for some good scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I like the yeah, I like the character and everything. Yeah, yeah. I love when they're fighting the Imperials, and then K two S O shows up, and uh, Jin shoots the robot that looks just like him. Did you know that wasn't me? Huh. Of course. I thought I told you to stay on the ship. You did. 
but I thought it was boring and you were in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they they do they do humor it, especially like with KTSO. Like they they do humor very well, good in this movie. So yeah. What was it when she gets a gun? She has a gun and and Andor lets her keep it. He's like, "You're letting her keep it." Would you like to know the probability of her using it against you? It's high. Let's get going. It's very high. Meanwhile, you got the, like, in Solo, you got the weird, goofy jokes. Like, I can't do this when you're watching me. Oh, yeah, that was weird, wasn't it? It was, it's, it's, it wasn't even, like, a joke that, like, that whole scene could have just not had that. Yeah. Like, it's, it's one thing when you make commentary on the scene, but then they just added that joke in, and it was, like, unnecessary. Right. Yeah, because she's super confident in everything else she does, and that jimmying a lock is this thing that she has a problem with, where it's, you know, private or sexual for her. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So then the the bottom half of the movie is them storming the beaches at uh, Scarif to get the Death Star plans, and this, and now it becomes basically a World War II movie, which is amazing. It looks great. The you know I don't think we've ever seen a beach setting before in Star Wars. That's oh yeah that that's and oh it's it's so beautiful, so tropical looking. Yeah, yeah, and they've got these great adats and the the shot where uh, Baze has like a bazooka and he shoots one of the adats in the head and it you know blows the head to the side, but then it just turns right back and starts shooting at him again. Oh, it's so. Awesome. This was one of the first times it, it seemed like it was an actual planet and not just like. An entire frozen planet, an entire desert planet, an entire right. water planet. Yeah. And when she gives the speech, when they land on the planet, she's like, Sogorera used to say one fighter with a sharp stick, nothing left to lose can take the day. They've no idea we're coming. They've no reason to expect us. If we can make it to the ground, we'll take the next chance. And the next. On and on until we win. Well, the chances are spent. The Death Star plans are down there. Cassian, K2 and I will find them. We'll find a way to find them. Melshi, Pao, base Chirrut. You'll take the main squad. Move east and get wide of the ship. Find a position between here and the tower. Once you get to the best spot, Light the place up. Make ten men feel like a hundred. And get those troopers away from us. What should I do? Keep the engine running. You're our only way out of here. That still gets me. <laughs> you know, it's a yeah, great yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's and that's. I mean, not to jump ahead here, but it's like the them lo- like axing off that character of hers. Like, I mean, they, there's a lot they could have done with that. Yeah, she could have been a good character. I, I, I guess I, I agree with the pathos of killing everybody in this movie. Yeah, yeah. But it's, man, it was yeah. such a shock and surprise. I mean, we'll we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so they've gone quote rogue. You know, name of the movie to <laughs> to Scarif because the and it is interesting because they show the the Rebel Alliance as being a bunch of like disparate uh, an alliance of disparate people who are joined together to resist the Empire, but they can't agree to do this mission because of whatever reasons and nobody's like in charge enough to make everybody work, do it. Yeah. But it takes Jin and Andor just running off and doing the mission to get them to all be like, well, I guess we better go help them. 
Uh, and it's like, it does kind of throw back to the Jedi council of the prequels. It's like, yeah, well, we, yeah, we, you know, we can't really do anything or we can't agree and I don't sense anything. So I don't know what you're talking about. It's like, yeah, yeah. really shows all the good guys at, like at the top level to be pretty useless. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's why they, uh, they all had to be taken out, man. Yeah. They, they all grew, grew large on corruption of their own good morals. Everything became like political and bureaucratic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the problem with the original uh, Republic. And now even when the rebel Alliance, they, they, they're not like sitting on their laurels, but they're also just, they're too afraid to commit to do to anything at this point, I guess. Yeah. So there's this great scene where Jin and Andor and K2SO make their way into the data files and K2SO has a heroic death as he fights off the stormtroopers or whatever as as Jin and Andor are in there getting the tapes. Have we ever seen a, a droid like die before? I mean, blowing up on a lot of the like Y-wings and like right, wings and like, stuff, yeah. Yeah, but nobody cared. <laughs> like this <laughs> no. is the first one hey, where man, that's, you that's care rude. about nope. this droid, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was so good. And I, I, so, like, Luke didn't even care when half the fleet <laughs> was blowing up and he was just like, "Oh, Let's keep going. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I lost R2. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so when they announced the Andor series, I was like, oh, great. We're going to see Andor and K2SO running around doing stuff. And we got a whole season of Andor with no K2SO. And I'm like, all right, well, that was a good season, but you got to give me some K2SO next time. <laughs> like, like, let's do this. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, but that's the nice thing about droids is they can always just bring back another a different droid. And have it played by the same character and the same or the same actor and and the same mannerisms and stuff. True, but even but the Andor stuff is prequel, so you know it could be the same droid because he's not yeah. dead yet. Oh, that's, oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying like if they wanted to bring back that like a, even after he's oh he's yeah dead, yeah yeah for sure. So the Rebel Alliance sends uh, the fleet out to help uh, Rogue One on Scarif, and we get. What I lo- and I loved seeing this in the theater that opening weekend was all these cockpit shots from the original Star Wars that they w- just didn't use and repurposed for this movie. You got you know Red Leader and Gold Leader, and you had uh, you know all this stuff going on. So it's, it was it was good to see that stuff. But nobody but a Star Wars nerd would appreciate. Yeah, yeah. So Jin and Andor finally uh, get the stuff and they transmit from the surface to one of the ships up in space and the Death Star shows up and blows up, <laughs> blows up the base on Scarif and everybody dies. It was kind of shot. I mean, it, when you realize you're like, wait, there's, there's no way they're going to survive this. And they're just on the beach watching like the blast come in. Yeah. It was interesting. So there's the line in the first Star Wars when they blow up Alderaan where Tarkin says, it's time we finally tested the full power of this battle station. And that gives them license for what they did in this movie, which is, okay, we're going to do what they say, single reactor firings to yeah, yeah. blow up Jetta City and Scarif. I mean, wh- yeah, whoever wrote these, they, they obviously did a good job like tying. But there there is some things that are inconsistent, like the, the Darth Vader at the end. Where he just comes in slaughtering people, <laughs> and then literally two weeks later, he's having like a limp wristed fight, <laughs> where they're just sort of slapping lightsabers. Like, yes. So yes, Darth Vader's in this movie, and it is a much different Darth Vader than we see in the first movie. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think even though it looks weird, I like the scene 
because it really makes him be like, oh my God, this is why everybody's afraid of him. You know? Yeah. What I didn't care for was the stuff with Krennic, especially the stupid pun. Be careful not to choke on your aspirations, director. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, is he working on a tight five? Come on. <laughs> but yeah, so they get the plans to the ship. They get the plans to Leia, who gets away in the Tantive Four. I was curious because we see the Tantive Four shoot off into hyperspace. And then I guess I'm not sure how Vader tracked them to Tatooine because we don't see yeah. people track, tracking each other through hyperspace until The Last Jedi, which we all know is not canon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, it's I guess it's fine because it sets up the first movie. But all right, anything else on the story? I mean, it was fun. It was, yeah, I enjoyed it. Apparently, Galen Erso is modeled after Oppenheimer, which is a timely reference because that movie just came out. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Okay. So after Disney bought Lucasfilm, John Knoll heard about some of the early concepts for new Star Wars movies and was not impressed with any of them. He began developing the idea for this film and then he pitched it and they liked it so much that they did it. John Knoll being the one of the higher people in ILM and I interviewed him about some other thing for another DVD movie that he worked on. Mm-hmm. When I talked to him, it was... I guess right after the Mandalorian had come out the first season and we were talking about that and we started talking about this and he's like, oh yeah, this, I pitched the idea for this movie. I was like, oh man, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And John Knoll also co-creator of Adobe Photoshop, by the way. <laughs> oh, really? I did not know that. Yeah. He and his brother, I mean, he's been at ILM forever and way back he and his brother decided we like, we need some computer program to manipulate photos so they came up with photoshop eventually sold it to adobe and yeah oh that's awesome yeah oh uh alan tudyk ad-libbed some of his dialogue which seems right of course he did yeah yeah (laughs) oh and chirrut imway uh donnie n's character is based on zatoichi which did you ever see any of the zatoichi movies no they are japanese samurai movies from the i don't remember 70s or something i've seen a couple of them and zatoichi is the blind swordsman and he's this roving blind samurai that goes around you know writing wrongs and but he's like he's blind but he's also like the best freaking samurai swordsman that you know around so it's great it, it's a very similar character oh cool well, actually uh, who's, who's the director i don't remember who the director is so the director is takeshi katano Oh, and it's this, it, that's the guy who is the actor, too. Te- Takeshi Katano plays Atoichi. Hmm. Yeah, those are good stories. This is the first Star Wars film of the franchise not to include the Wilhelm scream. Well, that sucks. <laughs> Get rid of it, then. I don't want that. Put it in there somewhere. <laughs> oh, my God. I did find, watching this movie, because we did, you know, we did the other all the other movies recently, watching this movie in the final battle with the X-Wings, Hearing the blaster fire from the X-Wings totally brought me back to the first movie. It's like, I don't think any other Star Wars movie has gotten that sound exactly like that. And it just, it was perfect. Yeah. No, they did a good job on that. Yeah. Recapturing that tone and making it feel like an actual Star Wars movie. Yeah. Take, take note, uh, episode eight and nine. I know. Yeah. That, that was the thing about this movie for, for all the, whatever happens in the story, they got it to look like the first Star Wars, but, you know, modern. Uh, and I think they, they got like old 
you know, vintage lenses and, and like they fucked with them to make them imperfect so that they would look more like the original. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What do you rate it? Uh, I think I would I'd give it an eight. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, I reserve seven movies for like, like, oh, it was okay. It was entertaining. It was like not terrible and I couldn't think of anything bad or wrong with it. But this was actually like enjoyable and had good aspects to it. It tied itself to like the good parts of Star Wars. Yeah. It also found a way to take like good parts of the prequel trilogy and mix those in. Right. A little bit of that too. Yeah. It definitely felt more like an original trilogy movie, but it did find ways to mix in some of the good parts of the, of your favorite prequel movies. The IMDb, I'll give you the IMDb and you give me the Rotten Tomatoes. IMDb is 7.8 out of 10. What do you think the Rotten Tomatoes is? Uh, 81%. Oh, very good. 84%. Oh, nice. Solo, a Star Wars story, came out in 2018, directed by Ron Howard, who took over for Lord and Miller. Ron Howard is famous for The Da Vinci Code, Frost Nixon, Nixon? Frost Nixon, Nixon Angels and Nixon. Demons, <laughs> Frost Nixon. and Lord and Miller are famous for The Lego Movie, 21 Jump Street, and Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Phenomenal. With a budget of $275 million, and I already told you that it didn't make its money back. What do you think it made? Uh, oh, man, I, I think it made... 108 it made 213 okay and 179 international which is clearly the lowest of ever of any star wars movie ever (laughs) that's insane uh a a movie about one of the most popular characters in star wars but i think i had a conversation with a friend of mine about this where i'm like like han solo's not in the prequels so right there like a certain demographic and below is just not that i mean obviously if you're a star wars fan but it's like yeah for people probably under the age of at the time when that movie came out, maybe twenty five, like thirty, maybe under that age, it's the, their Star Wars impression. If you're just a casual fan, is probably not heavy leaning towards Han Solo. Yeah, I could see that. It's it's more yeah. leaning towards like Obi Wan and like Ewan McGregor. Right, for sure. It was a weird movie to make, but that was when Disney was all like, "Oh, we're going to make one-offs of everybody. They were going to make a Boba Fett movie. They were going to make an Obi Wan movie." We can see how those series turned yeah, out. You guys like Han, you guys like uh, Han Solo so much. We're gonna go ahead and make him give him his own movie and then kill him off in the movie that you care about. <laughs> it's like way, way to give like a, a terrible double messaging. So the IMDb synopsis is: Board the Millennium Falcon and journey to a galaxy far, far away in an epic action adventure that will set the course of one of the Star Wars saga's most unlikely heroes. It's an interesting tone. I don't know if I've seen an IMDb synopsis that was an instruction before. Yeah. Also, yeah. telling you to board that plane and go to a galaxy far, far away. Yeah. You're leaving. You're leaving the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well. I don't know who writes these IMDb synopsises. If it's somebody somebody at IMDb or some... Or they pulled it from somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so Han Solo is played by Alden Ehrenreich in this. And uh, the other characters are Kira, played by Amelia Clark. Beckett, played by Woody Harrelson. Lando Calrissian, played wonderfully by Donald Glover. And Chewbacca, played by Eunice Suotamo, who plays Chewbacca in the sequel trilogy. Uh, of course, we, we mentioned earlier... L337, played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Mm-hmm. That name, of course, being a nod to Leet Speak, uh, which, I don't know, what do you feel about that? What, what's what's the name? So L337, you know. Oh, you know, Leet, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Leet, yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I don't, okay. I, with these movies, I don't put in enough energy into like, what's that character's name? 
<laughs> that, that I used to for the other Star Wars movies. To me, I was just sort of like, cool, this is this is the uh, the droid that sounds like Phoebe Waller-Bridge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you see uh, uh, Fleabag? I, I've seen some of it, yeah, yeah. Which, okay. I'm, uh, yeah, I, li- I like her in that. I like that a lot, yeah. Yeah. And of course, now we are post. I, it's, uh, I, don't, I don't think it's her fault in in me not liking this character. It's just that the way they portrayed it, I'm like, this is not a droid. This is like, yeah, it's it's almost like it's someone's. It's like a, a human being speaking through a intercom, like, <laughs> and it's just a droid moving. Right. There's so much more emotive. Yeah. I mean, Thrupio is pretty emotional, and I guess R2D2 can be said to be as well. But it was like. There's so much more humanity to L337 than you've seen in droids before. Act well, acting yeah, acting more like a human more than anything, rather right, than a droid. Exactly. Yeah, and apparently they did a combination. Like she had on the droid. Like I've head seen some and photos. Yeah, 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 and then the rest of it was mocap stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I haven't seen her in Indiana Jones yet, though. <sighs> yeah. She's in Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. So you haven't watched that yet, huh? No, I haven't. No. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm sure you've seen all the reactions to it. Yeah. 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 Right off the cuff, it's better than Crystal Skull, but it's not as good as the other three. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Uh, we also have uh, Rio Durant, played by John Favreau. I love this character. I for like he's just the CGI four-armed little mini character who's the pilot of the ship. Yeah. And he's just making jokes and saying the word wookie weirdly. Um <laughs> it just cracks me up. I love it. Yeah, it is good. Yeah. Uh the the villain of the movie is Dryden Voss played by Paul Bettany and he was apparently a last minute when they did the reshoots when Ron Howard took over. They had to reshoot. Oh, I forget who the other. Oh, I think I have wrote it down here. D- Disney's doing that thing that I hate that I've said uh-huh. before about how it's when when like, you know, a director reuses the same actor over and over again. Oh, but Disney's yeah. doing that with uh, it's, you know, oh, Paul Bettany. He's in Marvel. But let's get him over here to Star Wars. It's and They're then doing that a lot, actually. And yeah. then the 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 the, the woman who's like the rebel at the end or the marauder or whatever. Oh yeah. 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 She's in, uh, she's in a Marvel TV show. She's in this, she's in like the Willow TV show. Oh, like, she she's in, in like everything. Disney. She's in everything. Yeah. And she's always like the weird rebel who you think is a villain, but is actually cool. Exactly. Oh yeah. 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 Like when she was in this, this is the first time I saw her and I was like, Oh, okay, cool. That's I, I get that. That's kind of neat. Whatever. And then she like did it again in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and they do it again in Willow, and it's like oh, okay, <laughs> enough already. Yep. I didn't realize until looking this up that uh, Lady Proxima is voiced by Linda Hunt. Really? Yeah, from Silverado, among other things. She's great. I love her. Oh, that's kind of cool. I don't think yeah, I don't think I noticed that. And then uh, I guess lastly, Val is played by Tandy Newton, uh, which is like, she, I mean, she's great. Yeah. But, like. It's kind of a weird actress to have. She's like a, she does like art house movies, you know. She's like Oscar person. She, she was in uh, Westworld, wasn't she? She was in Westworld. Yeah, yeah. that's not really like. Ah, uh, that's true. Art house. I mean, it's yeah. it's you know more high, pre- high like high brow television, like sci fi yeah. kind of. But yeah, yeah. And so unlike Art Rogue One, this one starts with text. It says a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and then 
although it's not in crawl format, it gives several screens worth of exposition text. Yeah. And then we see Han hotwiring a car and getting away from some people. Turns out a deal went bad and he got away barely with his life and one thing of coaxium. And so this whole this whole movie actually revolves around coaxium, which is interesting because you know, The Last Jedi came out six months before this, and that whole movie revolved around being short of fuel, which is coaxium. Yeah. And like I remember Quint saying, like, Star Wars, is, we don't have to worry about fuel in Star Wars. It's just not a thing that yeah. should ever enter into any of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, because it's like, how many times in all the chase scenes in space where they're just like, we're going to hang out on this rock for the next, like, day or two and then blast out of here. And even then, it's all the, like, the little tiny ships that Obi-Wan would be flying around and stuff. You'd be like, yeah. You're like, okay, that thing is like going from one system to another. How does that have like enough fuel to do that? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So making now making two movies in a row about fuel, it's like, uh, I guess, yes, theoretically, all the ships have to run on some sort of fuel and it makes it for a pretty good MacGuffin in this movie. But do we really need to do that? All right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> To everybody, hey, everybody knows that we've discovered now that Star Wars has been written by AI for the last <laughs> like seven years, and <laughs> so they just reuse oh the same God. themes over and over again. I can believe, I can really believe that. Yeah, you probably could. You probably could go to ChatGPT right now and just say, "Give me ten different Star Wars droid names," and it would be, it would come up with a list of just like random shit like that. Yeah, for that's sure. how you end up with Leet as the. <laughs> Oh, do you know why they named BB-8 BB-8? I, I think at one point I did know it, but what is it? it it's because J.J. Abrams is a huge Beastie Boys fan. Oh, okay. The Beastie Boys put out eight albums. That Okay, I don't know if I heard that, but that's just... <laughs> I mean, whatever. It's it's you no know, different than uh, Planet sure. Stew John with... Uh, but exactly, with right. With George Lucas just I making mean, uh, shit up for what he liked. Even R2-D2, right? Real 2, Dialogue 2. Yeah. That's uh, unless unless, you know, maybe they're doing that subconsciously. Have you seen that interview recently with Steven Spielberg or I th actually no, it's not a recent interview because it's, it's with James Lipton at Lipton, I think. And oh. uh, James Lipton's bringing up the fact that uh, in Close Encounters, he, he says that like James Lipton says, you know, he's talking to Steven Spielberg and he says, your father was a computer scientist. Your mother was a musician. He said, was there anything to think about the fact that in Close Encounters, they use computers to make music to communicate like with the aliens. And then uh, like I guess Spielberg was like, I don't think I ever realized that like, that's my way of portraying how my parents spoke to each other. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like a lot of directors will put things in their movies for whatever reason yeah. that might not be. Well, that's uh, aware the, of in it. Poltergeist, the tree, the big tree that grabs the kid. That's because yeah. Steven Spielberg had like a tree outside of his house that he was like terrified of when he was a child. <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah, why not? Right. So the elephant in the room in this movie is that there was a big change in directors. Phil Lord and Christopher, Christopher Miller left as writers of The Flash to work on this film. Oh, man. Right. The, the, flat, the whole story like, behind The Flash. Yeah, we're leaving to go do The Flash. Good luck, right? guys, on that one. Yeah. So they and the original editor left halfway through the production, citing irreconcilable creative differences with Kathleen Kennedy and Lawrence Kasdan. Part of it was apparently Lord and Miller are comedy, mostly comedy 
focused mm-hmm. and their directing style was to do a lot of freewheeling ad lib improv you know let's figure out the jokes as we go and that doesn't really fit with like hey we've got 60 people and a bunch of special effects sitting around we need to plan this out and do it on one try right yeah and so there was that seems to be the breaking point and so they left they brought ron howard in now as of course the dga states that you can't put your name on a movie unless you direct 90 percent of it or whatever percent of it and so he had to go back and reshoot a yeah, bunch of it. Yeah, I think I think it's only I think it's only like fifty one percent or something like that of of a movie. I think it actually is quite low. Is it? Because it I think the thing I saw here was ninety percent. But oh, I, maybe, I maybe it, it is. Was, I don't know. It's. Yeah. Uh, I just remember with the, the whole Richard Donner, Dick Lecter situation, yeah. Superman two. Yeah. Like they had to reshoot like a ton of stuff to be able to to be able to change the name. Right. All right. So uh, Han and Han and Kira escape from. So they're like what do they call them scrub rats or something on Corellia. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they, they get out of there with a one vial of coaxium, which is enough to buy a spaceship or something. And, or at least to no, it's enough to bribe their way off planet and they go to the spaceport. It's a pretty good car chase to get into the spaceport. And then she gets detained through various machinations and he has to go away and he ends up joining the Imperial Navy. He was going to be a pilot, but, of course, he was insubordinate, so he got busted down to a uh, basically a grunt, mm-hmm. and he ends up on I guess the planet's Mimban, and there's some dumb Imperial war going on there. But then he runs into Beckett and his crew, who are posing as Imperials, and they're just there to steal something. I guess they're there to steal that ship. Yeah, and Han <laughs> he figures it out, and he's threatening to tell the Imperials about them, but they do it to him before he can so he gets thrown in the pit with chewbacca what do you think about the introduction of chewbacca as the beast i mean it was it was clever i liked it but one one problem i have with this movie is that they take they took everything every like little tiny snippet of backstory about han solo from all the the three original trilogy movies and they made it all, they jammed it all into one movie. Like, <laughs> and, and, and it's like the poker game where he wins the, the uh-huh. Millennium Falcons in there, how he met Chewbacca, how Chewbacca's tied to him for now forever. And like all how these he got things, the gun and yeah, how he it's, got, yeah, the, it, yeah, how he got right. the name, the gun. It's like all of a sudden his like, like these three weeks, I'm assuming this movie takes place over like a month or something. It's like if that, yeah, if that it's every, every important thing he references later in life about like his backstory <laughs> all happened in this yeah. like three week period. That is probably the, one of the weakest points of this movie is that, yeah, they're throwing in every single thing about Han Solo. The only defense of that is, yeah, but they did it in Indiana Jones. Well, in yeah, the last no. crusade. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the snake and the, yeah. right, the snake, whip, on, literally the, the snake and the whip on the face come within like yep. five minutes of each other. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, all right, well, this is just how we do Harrison Ford characters, I guess. I don't know. Like, he's such a strange and unique man that we need to explain him. Right. Well, I mean, the, the, the actor for this who plays Harris, what's his name again? Alden Ehrenreich. Yeah. I, I, I got no problem with the way he plays the character, but the problem with the writing of the character is Harrison Ford's Han Solo is very, it's not, he's not quick, like, he's not, how do I say this? He's like, he, he's not quick quips. He's slow quips. 
in how he says things. Yeah. This guy is kind of like a quick comeback for everything. And it's sort of got like snappy dialogue. Harrison Ford has like interesting things to say, but they're not that like fast or timely. Yeah, that was right. I would say that I, I did like Alden Ehrenreich's performance in this movie. I didn't think it felt like Harrison Ford. Yeah, yeah at all. Yeah, the way that walk that uh, River. Like Phoenix if they were just did. introducing the character for the first time, I'd be like, "Cool, this this is like you know a cool character and everything." But it's yeah. it, for for it to be like, no, this is one of the most pivotal characters in cinema history. Yeah, it, it like okay, this feels disconnected. <laughs> it does. There is a dis, and, and I can totally see how he, it doesn't. It doesn't quite feel like Han Solo, like it does in some ways. But yeah, it doesn't the, the, feel like the, Harrison mostly Ford. the cadence in which I mean, like laugh yeah. it up, fuzzball. It's like the way he like. <laughs> oh yeah, he is a very slow delivery. On he does. He's yeah, yeah yeah. The way he delivers lines is just sort of slow, like this. Yeah, and yeah. and this guy is sort of like. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, no, yeah, he's, yeah, definitely, totally different delivery for sure. When he's in the spaceport and he's signing up for the, to be a, in the Imperial Navy or whatever, the Imperial March is being played as an advertisement on the TV screen. <sighs> I, you, you, I don't you don't like feel, the fourth wall break like that? I don't, I don't like that. I don't, I don't feel like that, yeah. that's good. That's a good thing. I, to me, that just makes it seem like now in, in all these scenes in these movies, where like the emperor, like the emperor's theme, and like Vader, it's like the, yeah. it's actually blasting through speakers. Like, while right. Somebody, somebody, around. some stormtroopers walking behind him with a boombox. <laughs> boombox. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I guess well, the one thing that I didn't notice because I'm not a music person is that in this movie when they're playing it as the commercial for being in the Imperial Navy, it's in a major key, whereas in Empire Strikes Back, it's in a minor key. Like, cool. Okay. Sure. Great. It just doesn't. It it shouldn't be in. There was. About a hundred people some, noticed and cared about that. Yeah, right. We we've talked about this idea on this show before. I can't remember what movie it was, but where we said, "Oh, the theme for the movie is now in the movie." Yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. What, what what was that? That definitely was. <laughs> yeah. Some. Yeah, I do remember that. I don't know if you it, listener. If you, I, uh, I want to say it was like um, John Carter or some something weird like that. No, like, it, was, it was definitely something in a series. I think it was in a sequel where they started playing the music from the movie in the movie. Oh, well, Ghostbusters, but <laughs> oh, that might have been it. Yeah, <laughs> and Ghostbusters. I think that too, was it when they're playing yeah. the Ghostbusters song. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> that that might have been it. I think it might have been you. Yeah. Yep. 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 So anyway, Cha, uh, Han and Chewie end up with Beckett's gang, and they do a job. You got to do a train job, I guess. Every every ongoing series has got to do a train job sooner or later. They yeah. did it in Firefly. They did it on the Mandalorian. They do it here, but it's really cool because it's, let's make the train running along the side of these mountains. And the train is also on both sides of the track and it turns and curves and stuff like that. So the visuals are pretty cool. Yeah. And I guess the plan was okay, but the problem is, is that Beckett didn't really think that Enfys nest would show up. And so that complicated thing. Yeah. I, I think for, we haven't talked about Donald Glover yet. I don't know. It, to me, I think they did a disservice to the, the character of Lando. Oh yeah. How so? And they kind of make him. It's like, I don't know. He's got like the, the original trilogy Lando is got kind of like, it's, it's, it's like an obnoxious charm, uh -huh. but this, it's like a slime. It's like a slimy charm. Okay. I mean, he's like a, he's like a gambling cheat, and like at, at no point in the end yeah, of this movie, I was, was like, pretty slimy in the first time in the first trilogy. 
Yeah, he's not I mean, he's, slimy. It's like he he puts the move on Leia in front of Han as soon as they meet. <laughs> well, no, I know that, but it's it's. Uh, I'm not saying like, but I, I don't know. It's I, I. Here's the thing: is is the in in the in the original trilogy, he does something bad, but then makes up for it. But it, yes. I don't get that from this Don Glover portrayal. I mean, at the end of the movie of of this a solo movie, at no point I'm like, I get the feeling these guys are going to be friends. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> uh, that is true. I don't like I don't like as soon as they see each other, like and in, in, you know when he, they land on Besman and stuff, and it's like Han, you old son of a, and then they like you know they're like ah oh, laughing and having it's like I don't see that relationship growing out of this interactions between no, them. I. I feel like there had to be something between this movie and Bespin. Yeah. They had to have more interactions to create that friendship for sure that yeah. we don't know about. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just, to me, it's, I guess I, I appreciate the, the one thing I appreciate about this movie is that they did with, with Kira sort of like, you know, becoming evil and stuff like that. And then, it, uh, what's his name? Beckett or whatever the, the, What's Woody Harrelson's character name? Yeah, Beckett. Yeah. How he like, you know, is like, oh, you know, I was he like, you did the right thing shooting me because I was going to kill you and this and that. They, they do set up his sort of disappearance at the end of uh, A New Hope because it, to him, it's, yes. it's sort of like, you know, you can never trust anybody. You can never trust the, the gang that you've like, you know, made along the way. And so it did, I think it did lead good credit to that sort of behavior of Han. And he finally has to learn to get over like, and like relearn how to trust people. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But it's, I don't know. It's this, the, I don't, I don't get the feeling of, uh, you know, Lando and him having any sort of relationship (laughs) based on this movie. Uh, yeah. And that was the thing when at the end of the movie, when they're on the planet where they're, the, you know, yeah, there was the, the, the last gambling part. Yeah. The, well, no. Even before that, when they when they get the they take the coaxium oh, yeah, to the planet yeah, yeah. to have it refined, and uh, Han walks up to him and puts his armor on his shoulder, and he's Lando's like, "I hate you." Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's the it's the it's the ring theory. It's the uh, harkens back to "I love you." I know. Yeah. So Paul Bettany as Dryden Voss, um, as we said, he he took over the role when Ron Howard. Uh, took over and i forget i think oh shit i can't remember the guy's name who was the previous guy for this anyway he so he's got these red stripes in his face yeah i know did they ever explain that well sort of not in the movie but what happened was they decided in post this was not on screen this was not on set they were like okay so this guy is of a certain race that has these stripes on their face and when he gets agitated they turn red and when he's less agitated, they're less visible. And so they just did that in post. And Paul Bettany wasn't aware of that until he watched the movie. <laughs> he's so confused. He probably was so confused by it. <laughs> he's like, what the hell's on my face? <laughs> What's going on? But he, I thought he did really, I loved him in this. He yeah, was yeah, yeah. the super evil guy that was like, he could be super concerned, like faux concerned about you one second and then turn on you the next. How do you, how do you feel that they brought back uh, Maul? Uh, look, I love Maul. I think he's a great character. I wish they wouldn't have killed him in the first movie. They didn't, man. I, <laughs> he's I know. still alive. He's still alive, and they brought him back in the cartoon and all this stuff and whatever. I don't know. 
of course, because I didn't watch all the Clone Wars cartoons, so I don't know his, like, oh, he's now the head of the Crimson Dawn or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of means nothing. Yeah, yeah. But it was cool to see him. Yeah. And, you know, it was kind of pointless legs. when he kept firing off his double-sided lightsaber. Oh, right. <laughs> Just to make like, a point. You're why? like, hey, come on, sit down. Like, why? Yeah, it was... I, I think it was gratuitous. It could have been, you know what? If you just took away his side of the phone conversation and just had Kira yeah. say what she says, I mean, that could have been the end of the movie. Yeah. We didn't need to see who it was. Could have been like, what time period is this? Yeah. What time period is this? And how am I, like, I guess, I guess when I think, when I think about episode four, it's like, you know, Luke's Luke's supposed to be like, what, like 19 or something, 18, yep. 19. It's like, Hmm. Well then, like, how old is Harrison Ford? Or like, because yeah, in, in Harrison, real life, think, Harrison Ford, like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Mark Hamill was like twenty-seven or something, and Harrison right. Ford was like thirty-four or like thirty-five yeah. or whatever it was. And so I think in the in the first movie, it's supposed to be Luke's supposed to be like nineteen, and and Han Solo's supposed to be like thirty-five. Yeah, that's just. I guess I never really thought that their age difference was that big. Yeah. But, but he, yeah, her, you know, Solo is supposed to be the world weary smuggler who's yeah. done a bunch of shit. Yeah. So this movie is probably 10 years pre Star Wars, something like that. Cool. That's kind of creepy with thinking about him having a relationship with Leia later. Oh. <laughs> well, there is that. Yeah. I hadn't thought it's, about it's that. Prob- it's probably honestly the same time period as, um, uh, what is it? Obi- the Obi Wan series. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, he is married to Calista Flockhart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess I always just thought like, I, I guess I always thought he was like his, you know, character was like 27, 28 or something. Like, yeah, he probably is like mid 30s. Yeah. A lot of this doesn't bear too much thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. So we talked about L3 a little bit. And the thing about, so one of the things she does in this movie is she sets free uh, all the droids on, what is it? Kessel. Mm-hmm. And oh, that's right. The, the Kessel Run. He does the Kessel Run in this movie. He does the Kessel Run? Yeah, right. So I mean, that was the whole thing. in In the first movie, he says, "I did the Kessel Run in twelve parsecs," and then everyone's like, "Well, hey, parsec is a unit of measure of uh, space, yeah, you know, distance, not time." So what the hell are you talking about? And so it's been explained that the Kessel Run is actually you got to go through all you know, and they did a pretty good job of it in this movie. You got to go through this weird path to get from Kessel to anywhere to refine coaxium, but he did the shortcut. It's basically, he took a shortcut is what he did. Yeah. yeah. It's not like his ship is any, it's not like the Millennium Falcon is any faster than either ship. He's just brave enough to take the shortcut through the maw, which they also like, again, in retrospect, they, they don't make it. When he says that in episode four, he's like, I made the Kessel run on 12 parts. He doesn't make it seem like he had no choice, but to do that. He would have, yeah. he would have gone the longer route unless he ran up right. against opposition. So it's, it's almost sort of like, yeah, I'm so cool. I did it in less than 12. Like, like yeah, you had to, you were being chased. <laughs> the other ex- explanation I've heard for that is that he is a boaster and is just making shit up. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. okay, whatever. Okay. I don't, I, I don't understand why any droid in the Star Wars universe has to hold a communicator in their hand. Like, 3PO does it in the first movie. L3 oh, does yeah, it in yeah, this yeah, movie. Yeah. Like, God damn it! Every com- every droid should have like communication, communication stuff yeah. built in. <laughs> With, like, a voice synthesizer. So, I mean, that's right. essentially what it's doing anyway, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what we see. Actually, we see that in the prequels, right? Because then when Obi-Wan is 
flying all over doing his bullshit. He's got his R2 unit that is his basically his communications thing doing the hologram stuff back and forth. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's like whenever L3 picks up the I'm like, oh, come on, really? That's they're just trying to humanize those characters. It was funny when they were in the they were trying to get away in the Falcon and uh what is it? Han was saying like, are they on us? And Beckett's like, Beckett, you see them? They still on us? Like Ragnall on a Kylan. I, I don't know what that means. Like a Gingerson's pelt. Like, are they or aren't they? Yes, they're still on us. Uh, you know, he keeps giving these <laughs> rustic metaphors. Yeah, it's yeah. like totally Woody from Cheers. Yeah, oh, oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I did notice that the steering yoke in the Falcon looked a lot different. Like they had actual. It could like, have been replaced, man. Get over it. Well, that's what I'm saying is that there has been a lot. I mean, Han says. Also, they, they, so, so, so the, uh, the elite L337 or whatever is just this, this, that's what's confusing to me. So she's now embedded into the Millennium Falcon. And that's what we're supposed to believe. And, and at no point does that ever get talked about or addressed when like, <laughs> and, and, you know, the, uh, Lando has this sort of like when, when she dies, he has this sort of dramatic, like loss yeah. moment and then he's back on and then he's back on the ship later in the original trilogy never never like oh i get to talk to l337 or <laughs> yeah I, I i like i i like the idea that they they took this robot and and put its brain in the falcon and that's why you can do all the crazy shit that the falcon can do but yeah, it doesn't stand up to a whole. Lot. Like you, you could just say, "Oh, you can't talk." To but he's talking to her. He's like, "Oh, she says this and she says that." Yeah, I have heard it say that that's why in uh, Empire, when three PO says, uh, you, "You know, this ship has a weird dialect," that it's because it's L three. That's oh man, they thought of everything. They're right, ten steps ahead you of us. Can, you can re retcon anything you want. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so at the, so the end of the movie is them trying to give the coaxium. Well, they're trying to give the coaxium to uh, Dryden Voss, but then Enfys Nest shows up and Han decides to help them because he's a good guy. And uh, it's an interesting plan because he knows Beckett's going to betray him. And so he takes the real coaxium to Dryden Voss, assuming he's going to assume that it's fake, and he does, and then there's a whole fight scene about it. It's it's a really interesting sort of like Pulp Fiction-y turnabout scene. Oh, uh, man. Now I'm just thinking of Star Wars Pulp Fiction. Oh, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, and, well, I guess Tarantino said he wanted to direct a Star Trek movie, but I think yeah. it would be more interesting to do a Star Wars movie. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to get either of those. No, never. There's no way they would have trusted him with, with, I, I, <laughs> no, I, I can't see either company being like, let's get this to Tarantino. Yeah. Let's have our first R rated Star Trek movie. Yeah. <laughs> with, with lots of feet. Yeah. I'm listening. <laughs> yes. Go on. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. So, uh, at the end of the movie, Han outsmarts, well, he, the, he and Kira outfight Dryden Voss and then he outsmarts Beckett. And shoots him, as he said, and then cut to him finding Lando somehow. I don't know what ship he's got because he basically gave away all of his winnings. So I don't know how he, how he even got off of that planet. Yeah. And then uh, wins the Falcon from Lando because he 
does the prevented him from cheating which right he does the fake out hug that lando does in empire and then steals his uh, hidden card from him so that's solo anything else on the story there i'm just waiting for the follow-up lando oh my god that'd be great wouldn't it yeah i would love to see donald glover in a lando movie or series that's just just him but then but then he has to rope han into something sure why not yeah you, you flip it yeah and then I Han, read, then Han actually, gets to be a dick, and is like, I don't want to help you. <laughs> Back in the day, they they had there was a trilogy of Han Solo books and a trilogy of Lando Calrissian books, and I read all of them. I think I still have the Han Solo ones. I don't know that I have. I don't think I have the Lando ones. How about the, how about the the fan fiction where they slashed them and <laughs> Lando? <laughs> yeah, for some reason, L three was not not in any of these books. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just the just the two of them vacationing together and. They were okay. They were like okay because they were the only Star Wars you could get in the late '80s. I wouldn't say they were great books, but they were. Fun. I, I I have a standing sort of commentary with a friend of mine about how no no Batman is bad Batman. Oh yeah, it's it's like you know there's no such thing as bad pizza. Yeah, for sure. It's uh yeah it's like if it's if it's got Batman in it I'm gonna watch it man I don't care how bad it is <laughs> and that's you know if, if if you're desperate for Star Wars content in like the late eighties oh like, my god that's the thing from from eighty four to ninety nine or whatever we had nothing yeah so it's like you, you you put you get your hands on whatever you can read and you'd be like all right that's that is what it is it was that it was the Han Solo books it was the the West End games role playing game. And then eventually it was the Timothy Zahn Heir to the Empire books, none of none of which is canon. <laughs> and then, and then they, they, but then they, the funny thing is they would always like the writers like during that time period George Lucas was not really guarded about like Star Wars to where the, like the writers would put weird shit. <laughs> like, there was a lot of weird shit. Like, I mean, there like, was yeah, always like, yeah. somebody keeping keeping canon and uh, allowing things. But yeah, I think they were very loose during that. Time. You, you get like a char- Star Wars trivia book that's like Han Solo likes Froyo and Diet Pepsi. You're like what? <laughs> he prefers Tab. Yeah, exactly. But, you know. He's a Tab man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So apparently, in Dryden Voss's yacht, there are a bunch of display cabinets with a bunch of Easter eggs. So there are the Sankara stones. From Temple of Doom, the Fertility Idol from Raiders, and the Holy Grail from Last Crusade, and then some generic crystal skulls. So that's uh, yeah. I, I saw the crystal skull and I was I just rolled my eyes, not, and not and not because of like oh crystal skull it's bad and stupid. I was like, why do they got to put fucking Indiana Jones shit in here? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like it's another evidence, another another fact to point out that. Uh, Everything that Indiana Jones did was a fever dream of Han Solo when he was frozen carbonite. Yeah, oh, I like it. Uh, Christopher Miller, one of the original co-directors, was originally an intern at ILM and played a stormtrooper during additional filming for The Empire Strikes Back. That's oh, cool. Empire Strikes Back re-release in 97. Re-release. All right, what do you rate this one? I give it a six. Okay. Yeah, I went down to a seven. It's it like I liked it a lot. Because of everything we talked about, like how every little thing that Han Solo is is shown in this movie, it's like, all right, we didn't need all of that stuff. To and my my thing about it is, it's just it, this is this is the beginning. Well, I'm not necessarily the beginning, but it's this is this has got Disney adventure slapped all over it. Yeah, and I was just like, and and that's 
that's the thing I hate the most is any, anything that's just sort of like the, you know, uh, jungle cruise and like <laughs> all these, like, you know, John Carter, like these like Disney adventure films. It does feel, it does feel like that for sure. Yeah. And that's what they essentially made eight and into was just some sort of Disney adventure film. Yeah. I have heard a lot of complaints about how dark this movie is that you can't really see a lot with the cinematography. I didn't get that. Like I, I, I see that it's dark, but I feel that it is warranted for the scenes well, maybe, that maybe it is your, dark. Uh, maybe your TV's just set wrong. Yeah. Like in the early scenes on, on Corellia, it is kind of dark, but it adds to the feel of the scenes. I think I do. I will say that I watched the first half of this movie on the TV in my bedroom and that like is just it's like a 4k tv but it's not anything fancy but then when i went and watched it in the nice tv we have in the living room that had that uh, living room that has dolby vision that's when i was like oh man this seems a lot darker <laughs> than it was in the bedroom oh yeah yeah <laughs> all right so i'm gonna tell you that imdb and rotten tomatoes are exactly on point with each other what do you think they are 6.5 and like 65 percent very close, six point nine, sixty nine percent. That's a slightly. I mean, that's about, about about around where I put it. Yeah, it's between it's between right. you and me, basically. Yeah, pretty much. What do we? Uh, how we fix these two? So Rogue One, I for personally, I would get the, rid of the Saw Gerrera character. I think it it just kind of yeah, that little side quest story. to get him. It's it sort of delays yeah. things. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, uh, not but much otherwise, on that, and it's great, yeah. especially the payoff with the Darth Vader at the end. That was that was great. Yeah. Yeah. Which apparently was a reshoot or a late, late, late last edition. Edit, edition. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And uh, then well, Solo. Solo. Oh, I don't know. Just don't make a movie about Han Solo. <laughs> yeah. I guess I would just remove maybe two thirds of the things that make Han Solo Han Solo from yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Save them for other movies. Yep. Fine. I, I, I'm fine with this movie having the Kessel run. It's like, yeah. that's, that's what can be the premier Han Solo thing sure. in this. It's then it's, we don't need, we don't need the, the poker game. You can even put the, I don't know, like the poker game where he wins the Millennium Falcon from him. It's just, it's too much to, to put it. Yeah. In this. I don't think you, yeah. I don't honestly like, I'd be fine if there was even no like, or even like Lando's character being cut down more in it. Well, honestly, you could, you could do a trilogy for Solo where, in the first movie, he gets off of Corellia and does a does a does a thing with Beckett, like he does the heist with Beckett. Second movie, he meets Lando, sees the Millennium Falcon, wants the Millennium Falcon. Third movie, big climax, wins the Falcon. You yeah, know, that's, exactly. Yeah, right. You don't you don't need all. You can introduce those things, but you don't need like the defining moment of it in every yeah. in like one movie. He wins right. it. The Kessel Run, it's all in there. <laughs> yeah. And then even at the end when they're like, he's like, you know, oh, uh, Lando told me about this, uh, you know, gangster on Tatooine that we could oh, do some right. work for. <sighs> yeah. That yeah. was totally unnecessary. It was. And the whole thing about him not saying Chewbacca all the time, that was unnecessary. Yeah. I think whoever whoever did that part of it, I think I'm going to blame that on Ron Howard. But you don't want to be saying Chewbacca all the time. Yeah. <laughs> all right well uh here, here here's a haiku for these two prequels that don't suck have lots of member berries disney does good droids yeah all right anything else nope blast us off 
All right. Well, thank you for listening. For more podcasts like this, check out everything over at neosaz.com. And you can find us at Sequel Harder on Facebook, Mastodon, and Gmail. Stay tuned and keep your coaxium warm. about x yeah i'm not on x (laughs) (laughs) we're not on x what i got off of x a long time ago (laughs) before it was x